Hello. And welcome to the Christian Information Podcast. Uh, this week, uh, I'm joined by my friend Andrew, as always. Andrew, you're basically just like a... Just kind of a regular now. Just a regular guy. Yeah. And my friend and sister-in-law, Aubrey Shire. And Aubrey and her husband, Aiden, they've been at Providence uh, since the beginning. And uh, this week, uh, she actually wrote a blog for us. Or not this week, but um, this week we published a blog of hers about suffering, uh, which is not a, a very popular topic. And it's it's not like something we openly discuss, and it's maybe something we actually try to like hide from either mm-hmm. ourselves or the world. And what we mean by suffering is... Um, yeah, so either like depression or losing a loved one or, um, yeah, just feeling like life hasn't worked out as it should have, right? And there seems to be this attitude within our culture, especially within the church, that like suffering and Christianity are at odds. And I think you highlight this kind of good, Aubrey. So what, what, what is that sort of tension you feel between like our suffering and the church? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of churches kind of just shy away from suffering and um, some of them are even like preaching the prosperity gospel where they say that wealth and health are going to follow if all you do is believe. And that's just really not true biblically. Like financial and other types of success aren't guaranteed because you're a follower of Christ. And Jesus even said, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And that's just like a radically different picture than what some people are led to believe in the church today yeah i think that's really good yeah so we've sort of moved from like this um like it's kind of twofold though right because like suffering like the question is like is it normal or is it not i feel like there is like this sense and it's not normal as like part of original creation but since like our fall like it is like a a normal thing right and i don't know andrew like you're our resident theologian (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think well, to to answer the first question, I, I think part of what's hard is that, Aubrey, like you said, there's a very clear strand of, like, um, prosperity gospel. It, it's pretty evident, this idea of if you believe more, if you give more money, if you do more things, then you should get happiness, wealth, health, all that type of stuff. But I think there is a danger it, when it comes a little bit more subtly in that a lot of churches, and we've probably you know, are prone to this as well. When we only seem to be celebrating, we only seem to have smiles on our face. We, we kind of have this, uh, idea even in our evangelism that, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you like, you know, if you give your heart to Jesus or if you accept Jesus, he's going to give you life and it's going to be exciting and everything's going to be, you know, great. And we kind of have that, which is true in a sense, but I think it can give this false impression of, okay, if I give my life to Jesus, then Everything's going to be awesome all the time. And if we walk into churches where it's just we're always smiling and everything's always amazing, um, there becomes this question when suffering inevitably does happen uh, about is am I off? Like, you know, mm-hmm. is my faith off? Is there something wrong? I don't know if I fit in with this. I give my life to Jesus and then everything gets better. Uh, because it, it is true that while suffering wasn't, you know, in God's perfect creation, uh, sin does cause suffering, and so um, it, now in our sinful world, it's inevitable. There's hurt and there's pain everywhere. Romans 8 says that it's not even just humans, but all of, uh, even the earth, the creation, is all subject to futility because of sin. So there's hurt and pain, death mm-hmm. and destruction 
in every facet of our life now. And so, unfortunately, it has become the normal because of sin. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, Scripture tells us, like, over and over, right? And, Aubrey, I think in the blog you pull out Psalm 13, Mm. 1 and 2. And I'll just read it real quick. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And I think, like, that's, like, very clear. I have sorrow in my heart all the day. Um, and so even in the Old Testament, there's, like, this picture of God sort of hiding his face from his people. Mm. Um, which, I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the question, right? Like, why? Like, why? Um, and so, anyway, to one more quote, Aubrey. This is actually from you. And I thought this was beautiful. I thought it was just so beautiful. Um, you say, to deny that we experience pain is to, not, to deny that we're living in a flawed world. To deny that we're experiencing pain is to deny that we're living in a fall or flawed world. Um, and I just thought that was so good just to be, like, open about it. That, like, there's things in life that, that hurt us, you know. And so, I don't know, like, what, was there any thoughts behind, like, that sentence? Yeah, yeah. So, we are all here saying, you know, God is good all the time. God is good. And it's just hard for people to kind of open up and say, even though God is good, why am I feeling like this? Or why am I going through Mm. anything? Like, it's so much easier to kind of put on that mask and say, everything's fine. And just present to the world that you're happy all the time. But we are human and we do live in a world with consequences for sin and sometimes those consequences are because of our sin and sometimes they're because of other people's sin and sometimes they're just because and we don't have all of the answers and it's just difficult for us to kind of reconcile like not having the whole picture but we do know that God is still good and sometimes we lose sight of that but it's it is a struggle to go through that and to still come out on the other side and say i still believe that god has his best for me mm, yeah that's good. aubrey i like that you mentioned the the wrestle between god being good and still suffering because the suffering doesn't make god then not good right so we know that that's true but the wrestle then is um how can both of those things be true so i really like that you highlighted that because i think it's easy to fall into one side or the other so if god is good then like you said i should then we feel like i should never have suffering or Mm. pain should never happen or if that is overwhelming then we want to think okay well then god must not be good right and i think the christian life is is what you said it's the balancing of the tension between god is good yet my heart can still hurt, yet the world still is broken at this point. Um, and so I thought it throughout the, the blog and what you just said, I thought that was really good to just point out the the wrestling there because um, I think that is that is the Christian experience. We see that in what you said in, in Psalm 13. We see that even throughout the New Testament. And Paul himself talks about these ideas of, I mean, he had such a high view of God, yet he felt pain and suffering consistently. And so lest we think we're, you know, more advanced than Paul, I mean, we're probably going <laughs> to yeah. have the same struggle. And so uh, yeah. I just love that you were, you were pulling that out in the, in the article. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, I mean, that's like the, the question of the century. The Psalms ask it. It's almost like a rite of passage, so to speak, for, like, humanity, right? Like, mm. 
you know you're an adult when you ask the question like why like why did that happen you know or you know you've grown up from like this childhood mindset um yeah so it might be a lot to answer but like how and when was last time that question crept into your life and this is just like open floor um I know for me, um, just even making the decision to move from uh, one church to come and plant Providence, from a city like church to plant Providence, you know, there's this this sort of internal depression and struggle, and I don't know, like, thing, I, I don't know how to describe it, but besides, like, a, just sort of like a cloud of, like, darkness that, like, flew over my life and sort of, like, you know, it was just did not feel very good, which is maybe, I don't know how to describe it beyond that, but just... Yeah felt like the weight of the world was like falling down so for me and I kind of talk about this in the blog post it's when I was working at this job and uh, God was telling me you know it's time to move on it's time to go and do something else and I just wouldn't listen and so I just stayed in this situation um, because I loved what I did I loved my coworkers, and I had this sense of loyalty to the place and it just wasn't healthy for me anymore. And, um, you know, God would tell me, you know, you've got to move on. You've got to do something else. And it would get to the point where I'd become physically sick. Like, I would walk around with this pit in my stomach, and I'd just feel nauseous all day long. And as I was getting ready for work in the morning, I'd be dizzy, and I'd feel faint. So I really experienced this huge pull where I knew this wasn't a good place for me anymore. And the depression that I was diagnosed with later, uh, everything just kind of came crashing down and my identity was just fractured into a million pieces. And I was like, if I don't know who I am, then what am I even doing? If I don't have a job, then uh, where is my identity? And so what that did for me was I took my identity and I um, saw that being a child of God is more important than what I do for work. And Mm. I think in our culture especially, we place a huge value on identity. It's like the first question you ask when you meet someone new. And so that was really hard to distance myself from, I'm not what I do, I'm I'm a child of God. Mm. Yeah, but it was really rough. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, so you physically, like you actually felt that like in your body. Yeah, yeah, it would like manifest itself physically and I just wasn't myself for months, yeah. Aubrey, thank you for sharing that. Like that's, um, yeah, I know it's hard to sometimes be open, but I appreciate it. Um, and it's just cool to see like how God has sort of shaped your identity, like through those situations, um, which he might not have been able to do had you not like, you know, experienced that. Um, and so that's really, yeah, that's good. Um, and one reason I think that that story is just so powerful is it sort of resonates with a lot of like the biblical characters. Um, so John nine, one through three, there's a man who brings his son, um, to be healed. And the first question they ask is like, like who sinned? Was it him or his father? And you know, like, that's like, you know, I feel like we can have that attitude too. And I don't know, did you ever feel like that in your, in your story? Did, was that ever a question that like wrongfully crept into your mind? Like, Oh, what am I what did I do? To yeah, me? absolutely. I would question God multiple times. I was like, well, so why am I being punished for this? What did I do wrong? Like, where did I, where did I go wrong, basically? 
And then um, finally he just revealed himself to me and it was just this beautiful moment where he just said, do you know that I am God? And that was the first time I remember in my life of hearing him directly speak to me. Mm-hmm. And it was just this beautiful picture of if, if I really thought he was God, then I needed to be trusting him with everything in my life and not just playing lip service to him. And um, that kind of took away that whole issue of, okay, what am I being punished for? Why me? And I began to see, like, this was so I could grow in relationship with him, and this is so I could become a new person in him. Mm-hmm. And it kind of took a lot of that worrying away and helped me shift my priorities a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Um, so... Uh, later in your blog, you um, you talk about the parable of the seed and how um, in Matthew 13, you know, the parable of the seed, the seed falls on thorny ground, rocky ground, and then like fertile soil. And you sort of compare that to how God sometimes has to actually like till the ground. Um, and I've, I've never thought of it that way, but I think that that's like a, a good way of thinking about it. Um, Andrew, like, what would you say about like that parable and specifically Matthew 13 is that like an accurate way to like think through that yeah I mean I was just actually at a a pastor's uh retreat not too long ago and the guy who was kind of doing some training used that um used that parable to kind of talk about our hearts and just looking at um yeah even now where where in us the the soil is still maybe kind of being tilled and worked out and stuff Mm -hmm. and it was really helpful to think through it that way and see that you know there is the uh the good soil at the end that that's um proving to be uh rich and there's a lot of fruit coming from it and the pastor there actually said you know we're on our way there but in a lot of us, we're not there yet. We're, we're just having all this abundant fruit from the, you know, the, the gospel taking such root in our hearts as we're getting there. And so I, I hadn't thought about it that way. That was kind of a new, you know, way. And I haven't studied that passage a lot, but it was helpful for me kind of using it in the same way of, of just seeing that sometimes, yeah, God, just realizing that God still is kind of tilling that soil in our heart, that he's still, you know, some of the things in that parable are, um, you know, there's the anxieties of the world, right? There's um, the greed, there's wanting things mm-hmm. here and all this kind of stuff that is still very much present in my heart. And when, you know, if I have, um, you know, one of the things is, is the greed for the things of this world, I think, in that parable, um, you know, there's still a lot of that in my heart. And there's sometimes that uh, God, there's a, what feels like suffering or hurt or confusion in my life most likely because God is beginning to root some of that stuff out mm-hmm. so that the gospel can actually prove fruitful in my life. And mm-hmm. so uh, some of that stuff then hurts, though. And so like you were talking about, Aubrey, with the identity issue, I mean, God so desperately wants your identity in him that he does allow us to go through hurt and pain and questioning that stuff to get us through to the other side to help root our identity in him because we're so prone to whether it's finding our identity in something or desiring, coveting, greed, having greed for something else in this world that's not him, um, he, will, he will allow us oftentimes to go through some pain in order to get to our hearts. And so, uh, yeah, I did think that that parable is helpful to think through it that way. I remember reading that passage in the book, and it just really cut to my heart where before I was kind of 
like stuck in this whole process and um, not sure why I was going through this and what I was getting out of it. And then reading that passage, I said, oh, okay, this is why I'm going through this and this is what needs to happen because before I was way too comfort comfortable and self-reliant and I didn't have that basis and that grounding in, in Christ. I was just kind of doing my own thing. So, yeah, I like a lot what you said about how that just brings about a whole new person in us. Yeah. yeah. One of the things... Um, so in my life, Gabe, you asked the question a little bit ago about when we ask why a lot. And I think the this whole church planting season has been that for me as well. And just asking, just asking why a ton. And one of the things that was an encouragement for me uh, was I, um, I listened to a, a pastor give a talk um, towards pastors. And he used um, First Kings... 19, and I think we've referenced this in an earlier blog, but it's the story of Elijah, and um, it, it's crazy because Elijah, he's in 17 and 18, he's battling these false gods and, and other prophets in the land, and uh, and basically their false gods don't do anything. They're kind of having this battle. They don't do anything. Elijah calls out to God. He sends fire down. I mean, just very clearly wins. I mean, he just shows the power of God through Elijah. Uh, and in the very next verse, in, in the next chapter, it says that um, uh, there's a threat on Elijah's life. Now, you would think that he would say, well, I've just seen God do crazy things like no person could hurt me. Uh, yet it says that Elijah flees to a mountain. And, and you see this like discouragement that hits Elijah. And when God meets him in the mountain in, in chapter 19, uh, God asks him, why are you here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you hiding in this cave? And... Um, and Elijah says, basically, God, I wanted you to do amazing things. I wanted this huge uh, repentance and restoration of Israel. I wanted you to do all this stuff. And Elijah says, it feels like I'm alone. It feels like no one else is here. It feels like nothing is happening. I wanted you to act in this way, and you didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's the the famous passage where... Um, where then Elijah comes out and there's this earthquake, there's fire, there's all this stuff. And then it says God passed by uh, in the wind. And it was just this this sign. And God goes on to tell him that there are people that are going to have this, you know, restoration of his people. There, there's, um, there, there's a few. There's not many. There's not these huge ways that God's doing it. But he wants Elijah to know um, that he is faithful to what he said. And I think the thing that was encouraging to me is I can look around in our church and, and always kind of wonder the question why. Uh, and, and to show how messed up I am, sometimes I wonder, why aren't we bigger? Why aren't, isn't God doing more? And then other days I'll be like, well, why aren't we smaller? Like, why, you know, why aren't we just focused on the neighborhood? And why are we, you know, have random things? And I'm just all over the place. And I'm always getting discouraged on, God, why aren't you doing it in a certain way? And I feel like God is kind of rooting out some things in my heart to say um, that this isn't my my plan that that my ways of wanting this done usually are not that helpful and god is rooting that out so that my joy can be in god and that my confidence can be that he is going to do what he said he's going to do in his way mm -hmm. and um sometimes for him to make me believe that it it's putting us through a time where we ask why a lot it's putting us through a time where uh there's some hurt involved there's some confusion involved there's some anger involved um but God will do just about anything, I think, to get to his people's hearts. And sometimes that's allowing us mm. to go through uh, pain. And, and so um, 
so Aubrey, just reading through this whole article was was helpful as I've wrestled with this over the last year to just think um, that that's okay. Like mm-hmm. suffering doesn't always mean that I've committed some sin and so God's punishing me. Sometimes God is disciplining. Sometimes God is just pruning us mm-hmm. so that we can find a greater joy and identity in him. And that, that is such a hard lesson to learn, but after coming through it on the other side, I'm really thankful and really grateful, as weird as it sounds, for that whole time in my life and grateful for the gifts that God's given me because of it, like a deeper relationship with him. I feel like a more intimate relationship with my husband and my family, and mm. and it's just weird to think about it now because when I'm going through it, and I'm sure you guys can relate to that, when you're going through it, it just does not feel like anything is right, and it doesn't feel like there's any like light at the end of the tunnel. And um, yeah. so, so Aubrey, what would you say if there's somebody listening and they feel like they're in the middle of it? So you've kind of you've walked through that season, and now you kind of you can say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm grateful for what God has done. Yeah. If somebody is right in the middle of it, and they feel like there's no way they could be grateful in, in six months or a year or whatever that they feel like there's no way that God could be doing something good in this. Is there any sort of encouragement or anything that you would want them to know now looking back uh, as you were going through that season um, just to help give any sort of light or encouragement? Yeah, so I would definitely say that it's okay to not be okay. And it's definitely fine to talk to people about it and to find someone who you can trust and you can kind of unburden yourself to. And that person hopefully will will be able to reassure you that even though you're going through this dark time, you're not alone and God is still there. And this is probably all for your benefit, even though it doesn't feel like it at the time. And um, there are people that love you and want to support you, and it will be better in the end. And it doesn't feel like it right now, but there's tons of examples in Scripture of people kind of saying the same thing, like, why me? Um, Moses, when God told him to go speak to the Israelites and free them and um, get Pharaoh to take them um, away, he his first thing he said was, why me? Uh, So I think a lot of the times we feel like we're not up to the task, but I promise at the end of the day, you will get through it. And it is okay to not be okay for this time. You don't feel like you have to rush through it and put on a show and and mask that part of you because the people that care about you want to see that part of you and they want to help you through it. Yeah, that's good. And I I like when Paul, I mean, this seems for us today maybe very hard to understand, but when Paul... Uh, says that even through all of his trials, uh, he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And he says there was this underlying joy, uh, even in the midst of his suffering. And, and I think that it's it's fair to kind of grab that and say that, you know, our hearts can be sorrowful, yet still rejoicing. So, Aubrey, do you feel like either then in that season you experienced that or now as you're looking forward to maybe after God kind of teaching you some of these things, any light on what that might even feel like, what that might look like to go through a really hard season yet still somehow have joy in the midst of it? Yeah, I think something that was really helpful for me, especially when I was just diagnosed with depression, was I started keeping a gratitude journal 
So I started writing down five things every day that I was thankful for, and it could just be really small, simple things, just like, I'm thankful for this chair I'm in, I'm thankful that my cat is nearby, just just really small things. A tasty meal. A tasty meal, yeah. <laughs> it could be It could be anything, but what that helped me to do was kind of dwell on the positive and not so much look around at what's wrong or what I feel like is not um, going my way and that would just help me refocus and see okay here are the things that are being taken care of that God is giving me gifts even when I'm feeling like everything's overwhelming and um, it would just help me kind of refocus my attention on what God is doing and and the good things that he did give me and the other great thing about it is you can kind of look back and you can see all the times that he's been faithful and all of the ways that he's provided for you, all of the people that care about you. Mm. Uh, so that was a way for me to kind of um, cope with the big overwhelming feelings that were uh, so scary. And it was a way for me to kind of just uh, focus on the things that really mattered and mm. the people that really cared about me. Yeah. That's super good. That, yeah, that... I can imagine that'd be like a great practice. I'm, yeah. I should try that out. Um, yeah, dude, Aubrey, thank you so much for writing this blog. I really, really appreciate it, and yeah, I hope it's you. helpful for our church, for the people listening to this, um, to realize, yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone in two ways, right? You're not alone because God is with you, mm. and you're not alone because you have a community that is around you, and we long to, um, yeah, for. Uh, I guess to be invited into your suffering with you, right? I remember there's a sermon earlier this year, and you're talking about rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with mm-hmm. those who mourn, and that's Christian community. That's like that's, right. that's what it is. Um, and right. so, yeah, yeah. If you have any questions, concerns, or if you are suffering, please reach yeah, out to someone. Please. Literally, if that's an email, a text, a call, grabbing someone by the shoulder, whatever. Um, yeah, we would love to walk with you through that, um, but. Yeah. Can I pray for us real quick? Yeah, please do. Cool. Thank you. Father, um, we admit the world is not as it should be. Um, and we long uh, for it to be fixed. Um, but still, even now in our suffering, you're using it for our benefit and for our good to grow us, to till us, and to make us more like Christ. So would you do that um, even if we don't like it? <laughs> uh, in your holy name. Amen. podcast you just heard was recorded with anchor if you want to make your own download the android or ios app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast that's anchor.fm slash podcast